Hi everybody and good evening. Well, I have to start by saying um, I hope that uh, we leave this lecture not the same way that we come in to the lecture. Um, it is a time, a tough time, not just uh, in one city or one neighborhood. It's a tough time for um, the global human being community. So hopefully with the lecture, with the information, with the knowledge, we can turn something around with our awareness, consciousness into a place where the universe will stop bleeding. Because after all, we are talking about the human life. We talk about our planet. We talk about 7.2 billion people that are going through something right now. There is something in motions. There is some change. There is transformation. That it's our job to see what is that we can do. So again, thank you for joining me tonight. And thank you for giving me the chance to add some light, some information, some knowledge. That that part will take all of us to another level. The name of this week... Uh, old name of this week, I should say, from 3,400 years ago, called Naso, every week as an energy. Um, the energy of this week is, how can we stop bloodshed? How can we stop anger and hate? And um, I would like to dedicate this information, this lecture, this knowledge, this experience for the people who are at home living in fear, or for the people who lost a dear one, and uh, for all the people who still believe there is happiness around the corner, I'd like to dedicate this lecture for you, and of course for all the people listening, um, I just hope, wish, and desire that the information that I'm sharing with you will take us to our next level, and the universe to the next level. For that reason, please, it doesn't take an effort doesn't take a lot of effort for taking the muscles of the finger and share the information, share the lecture, so more people can listen to it. We need to create a mass listening globally around your neighborhood, around your neighbor, and more people will listen to it so we can motivate people, especially from now to the next five weeks, to behave better, to, to be better, to be more in unity. I would like to start. So the name of this week is called Naso. Naso means to elevate. But if you look at the little translation, it's talking about counting. You know, it's almost like a counting. Uh, it's not even the word counting because there is so many meaning to the word Naso. It's a beautiful word. Elevated. Laset, um, uh, to carry on, to count. And the section starts by uh, the concept of counting the Levites that are in the old days they didn't have the temple, they have the tabernacle. The tabernacle in the Hebrew called Mishkan. Mishkan comes from the word Shochen. Shochen in English means to dwell in. When something dwell in. So the Mishkan was a structure that the Israelites as they left Egypt from being slave, their mission was from being slave to be the kings and queen. So you can't just change from slavery to become kings and queens. Something has to happen to you. Uh, you got to work on yourself to become it. Like Moses. I mean, Moses was the leader of the Israelites. But don't don't forget, the way he started was different than the Israelites because he grew up like, already like a king uh, in the house of Pharaoh. That's why he was able to lead. So when people just want to lead, when people just want to make a difference, it's not the easy thing, my friend. It's not the easy thing. So, again, the desert was a place where everybody going through, almost to their spiritual gym, almost going through something so they can grow from slavery into ability to become a kings and queen. I would like to rate to something that a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Chaim Benatar said, uh, those of you who know me personally, it's one of my favorite places, 
in Jerusalem. I usually go to his grave, to his site where he was buried. The reason that I go there and meditate uh, on the Mount of Olive is because of a story that I heard so many times and I read it so many times. Rabbi Chaim Benatar was a great Kabbalist that everybody believed when he was born that he will be able to save us from all misery. And they call him the Messiah, actually. Um, the Baal Shem Tov, another great Kabbalist, who lived in Ukraine, knew it that in Morocco at that time lived that rabbi. And he knew that if all what he needed to do is to meet that person. Because both of them were a reincarnation of King David. The problem, the Baal Shem Tov started traveling from Ukraine all the way to Israel. And the Rabbi Chaim Benatar traveled from Morocco to Israel. The Baal Shem Tov lost his mind, those of you who know the story, when he arrived to Turkey, to Istanbul. And in Istanbul there is a special place with water. And that's how they cure him, but he had to get stuck there. And when he realized he cannot make it to Israel, he went back to Ukraine, to his village called Mizibush. Rabbi Chaim Benatar traveled with a small boat or ship or whatever you want to call it. He almost died, but he made it to Israel. When he arrived to Israel, the first place, one of the first places he went to, was the grave of the greatest of all time, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. The man, the person, the soul wrote the Zohar and Tikkun When he arrived to the grave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he went on his knee and he started walking like a dog. His thousands of students that saw him and said, Rabbi, what are you doing? He looked at them as he lying on the floor like a dog. And he said, if you would see what I see, you also would not be able to stand if one of that great Kabbalist named Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So they all did like him, and can you imagine they climbing those, this mountain, not like human, like, like an animal. And when they arrived to the site, they start kissing the place. And then he explained to them, he told them, when the world was about to get destroyed, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai saw the angels that wanted to destroy the world, and he said to the angel, if I see you here again, I will make sure you will never will stay as an angel. The angel gets scared, went to God, God said, don't look at Rabbi Shimon, go to another place. Rabbi Shimon found him and said, don't ever dare to destroy one human being. And we know that that angel never came back. And from that time, there is tradition that every time there is problem in the world, you light a candle for Rabbi Shimon by Yochai, and you read some Zohar or Tikkun Zohar, and you say, Rabbi Shimon, please help us. We are struggling here. And the reason I start with this commentary tonight is if the commentary of Orach Haim, Rabbi Chaim Benatar, is as great to believe that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai can solve a problem, please tonight, light a candle for Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the master, to help us all, and to make sure that the solution comes from above, not from below. And let's see what Orach Haim write about this section. Orach Haim is asking, Rabbi Chaim Benatar is asking, why are we keep counting, why are we keep elevating the different type of the Levi. We already spoke about it last week. Why we have to speak about it again? And the answer, because the Levi were divided to different jobs that they had to do in the tabernacle. Everybody was doing some, something. Some people dealing with the holy of holies, some people dealing with the fabric, some people, everybody has a job. The point is, what is exactly the tabernacle for you? What is your tabernacle? Is it your family? Is it your husband? Is it your body? Is it your soul? Is it your expensive diamond or watch? What is the exact tabernacle? How is your tabernacle look like? How is your mishkan look like? Because whatever your mishkan is, that's what the dwelling of the energy is. And how do you, if you are, happen to be representing this week the Levites, how do you know say, meaning how do you elevate yourself into the level where you need to be? Because after all, this section is talking about elevation. We need to elevate ourselves to another level. 
Now, when we need to say elevation, I think it's time to tell us where we are. Each person has to know where they are. And the second question, what is your Mishkan? What is your tabernacle? These are the two questions you have to ask yourself tonight. What is my tabernacle? Where is my tabernacle? Is it my home? Is it my family? Is it my body? Is it my soul? Is it my diamond ring? Where is your energy dwelling in? So, every person has to understand that it's time to elevate ourselves. The question is, nobody can claim that they talk to God on a daily basis, and God and them are very, like, they have a WhatsApp chat, so we don't know what God wants from us. We know what they tell us from the Talmud, the Zohar, the Torah, different religion, whoever, whatever you follow, you know, this is, this is what God is telling. Then we don't have Moses in our days. Moses of our days is gone. So we don't have the leaders like Moses. You know, the leader of today is, you know, the, the president. Uh, you know, the, by the way, the word president, the word nasi, the same words in, in Hebrew. So the, the portion called naso. So it's the whole concept of president is in this week. But according to what I'm explaining to you, each one of you is the president right now. Each one of you making a decision, where is your Mishkan? Where is that you put your energy in? The point is, where are you right now from a spiritual point of view? What is it that you need to elevate? So I'll give you three things as I'm writing my next book. Hopefully it will take less time to (laughs) accomplish it. And my book is talking about transition in spirituality. How you transit from one step to another. And I want to make sure that this book will be easy for every person to elevate themselves spiritually. In Kabbalah, without going into all the details of Kabbalah, there is levels, there is layers called Sefirot, where you're climbing from one level to another. The lowest level is necessary, but it's still low. So we're not judging any, any level. So the first level is called oblivious. Oblivious means that you are not aware of nothing. There is nothing that you are aware of. Nothing. You are oblivious. You have no idea that just, you know, if, if, if you remember the first killing in the Bible, happened in Genesis when Cain killed Abel. He killed them, but it was before death was even happened. So he thought, if he just gonna cut his neck, or bite him, and the blood will go out, he will stay alive. Nobody, nobody teach about, it was no education about killing. So that's called oblivious. You are not aware of your action. You are not aware of your words. You are not aware of your consciousness. You are not aware of your eyes. Did you know that your five senses, as much as it's been affected by what around you, you're actually affecting what's around you too. For example, Rabbi Isaac Luria writes, when you are looking at something and it's negative, that's affecting your soul. But additionally to that, when you are looking at something, you're affecting the something, you're affecting it. So the five senses affecting us as much as the five senses affecting whatever we're looking at. For that reason, there is something called Ainara, evil eye. All of those things has to do with the subject called oblivious, meaning the person is not aware of their behavior. Usually, it happens when children are young, you know, they, they're oblivious, they have no idea if they fall from, 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 uh, from the table, they can break the leg. That's oblivious, it's necessary for the growth of the child, but unfortunately some people get stuck in that level for many, many years. They stay oblivious. The next level is called responsibility. And in the level of responsibility, your person start to take responsibility. The person know that if he touch the stove after he just cooked something on it, they can burn their hand. So now they are responsible for their behavior. But they have to evolve in that level. Are you responsible only for what can hurt you? Or are you responsible for what can hurt others? You understand that you cannot uh, uh, put fire uh, in a place where there is fabric, because the whole place will be burned, even if it's not yours. You, you understand? Cause and effect. So that's called elevate yourself to the level of responsibility. So when we talk about Nassau, from oblivious, you raise yourself to being responsible. 
The next level, which is not the last, but I will use it for tonight just as the last, it's called being aware, mindfulness, or being more aware. Whatever your mindfulness or being more aware, you're aware of what's going on. You're aware of the feeling of others. You're aware if you're hurting somebody. You're aware, you're just aware that if you do something, it can affect people. It can affect you. It can affect your soul. It can affect your next lifetime. You're aware. So every person tonight has to ask themselves, where are you in your life? Are you in the oblivious? Don't, don't, it's nothing to be ashamed. It's between you and yourself. Don't, don't, don't talk to people about it. It's between you. It's your secret. It's your little secret. Are you oblivious? Are you really have no idea what's going on? And you don't want to have any idea. Or you are in the responsibility level. Or you are in the awareness. Now, no level is bad. Not knowing the level is bad. But there is no bad level. Once you have to ask the word W-H-Y, which is the most important question for a person who wants to evolve spiritually, is why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I saying what I'm saying? Why am I thinking what I'm thinking? When you get to that level, then you know where you come from. If all the answer is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You ever heard those young kids? I don't know. Why are you eating? I don't know. Everything is I don't know. You are in the oblivious situation. Severely oblivious. It doesn't mean you should get out of it right away. But you should be aware that there is a bit of a problem there. You are not related to the this week reading called Nassau. You're not trying to elevate yourself. Then you're going to get stuck in oblivious. Oblivious will always have issue with people who are responsible. They're always going to fight. Why? Because people who are responsible will always ask you to take responsibility for what you do. Finish your food, wash your dishes, uh, pick up your socks and put it in laundry. All those things. So the oblivious and the responsible are always going to create a fight between them. I mean, what's the purpose of the oblivious here? Very important purpose. The oblivious purpose on the responsible is to teach the responsible that not everything is a cold responsibility. They ask the responsible person to go a little bit to the next level. And that's why when you start to work on being more responsible for your action and for other people, then you are not aware yet. Because awareness is a very high level. And I hope and I'm desire and I wish that I'm explaining it correctly because this is just introduction to something I wrote in my book, in my new book. It's not out yet. So just to get you into that level of understanding the concept of Jumping from oblivious to responsibility, it's not the place you want to be. Because if you're just responsible, you might be called task-oriented person. You're going to have task, and you're going to be called. Oblivious people are not called. They're actually warm, but they just don't care. Which is, which is a level. It's a level. It's not the place you want to stay in. But for responsible people and oblivious people, when they meet each other, it's a very interesting situation to watch you know you see a mother and kids a father and kids you see sometimes a husband and wife okay the husband all of a sudden cooks something for himself in the kitchen it's a mess and he go to sleep the wife wake up in the kitchen so what happened here what happened he's looking there so i, I don't know what happened I, I, I was just eating so he's not connecting the act or the action to what happened, there is no connection at all. So it's just out there. The responsible person wants things to be perfect, but it doesn't mean it make them spiritual. They're not spiritual. They're just task-oriented people. So if you ask them, why you do it? It's my job. Why you doing it? It's my job. My job. The oblivious, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Responsible, my job. My job as a mother, my job as a father, my job as a friend, my job as a wife, my job as a policeman, my job as a government. My it's my job, my job, my job, my job. When the oblivious meet the responsible, there is a war. War. Who is right? Nobody's right, nobody's wrong. Everybody's right. From the oblivious POV point of view, they're right. From the responsible POV, they're right too. In my time, we used to smoke cigarette from a young age. So smoking tobacco, I didn't enjoy it, but everybody else smoked, so I had to smoke too. So the cigarette, and my father, God bless him, may he rest in peace, was the healthiest person ever lived. 
Doesn't drink, doesn't nothing. Doesn't do anything, basically. And I smoke in the house. And he asked me nicely, not to smoke in the house. In those days, we didn't know that the, the idea, the concept of, you know, when you smoke next to a person, you get affected too. I was oblivious then. I just, I'm smoking. I'm not bothering you. You know, that's your desire. That's my desire. May he forgive me in heaven. You know, so the idea is a lot of time when oblivious are help the responsible to chill out, to become better. And the responsible is supposed to help the oblivious to kind of take responsibility and put themselves a little bit more according to the rules of humanity or human society. What is awareness then? Awareness taking us to another level. You are aware of who you're talking with. You are aware if this person is is oblivious, or you are aware of that person responsible, and you are aware of their pain, or you are aware of their ability. You are aware of the why. You are aware of why you speak. You are aware of why you're quiet. You are aware of why you didn't wash the dishes. You are aware why you did. You are aware when somebody speaks not nice to you, there is a reason. There is a reason for everything for a person with awareness. Everything has a reason. Everything has a reason. So when the section talk about Nassau, elevating yourself, you got to elevate yourself to the highest level. But don't jump. Don't go too fast with that. Because if you jump too fast, then you do it from a responsibility point of view. And if you're doing it from a responsibility point of view, you're never going to be spiritual. Many great responsible people are not spiritual. They're perfectly with the responsibility. But when you ask them to feel the pain of another human being, they can't. They just can't feel pain. When you tell them, you know, your wife is going through some tough time, your husband is, is very sad, they look at you and say, oh, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, and this is just to do with feeling. It's no longer to do with the task. And for that reason... This week, specifically this week, falling on that consciousness of how we elevate ourselves, elevating ourselves, looking for opportunity, looking for opportunity to know how to raise our awareness, our mindfulness to the next level. You know, I had to build a spiritual organization when I was in Florida about 15 years ago. It was about 28 people. Uh, a building that somebody bought and he ran, he ran away from that building. The building cost $12 million. 28 people, they have no penny in their pocket. And they brought me in to see how to solve it. Once I worked with the people, most of them will be oblivious. And I tried to make them take responsibility. Big mistake. Then they all start to hate me really hate me. And I remember what I did, and I never told to my wife until just a few hours ago. I put myself with a chair. It's not for everybody, so don't do it on your own. With a chair, and I sit in the chair. I put 28 people around me. And I said, my friend, my dear friend, it is your time to get every garbage out of your mouth, whatever is in your heart and brain, against what's wrong with me. So you can tell me what's wrong. Please help me out. I told them to help me. I didn't tell them that it's something for them. I said, I need help. And I was sitting there. And I was sitting there. They enjoy so much to tell me what's wrong with me. And I'm not saying one word to them. That took for about one hour and ten minutes. Everybody told me what's wrong. Whatever it was right, Whatever it was wrong, it doesn't matter. They want to release. From oblivious situation, after that meeting, they changed to responsible. They felt good, they can tell me that. Every time I saw them, I said, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And I did. My one friend who was there asked me, Leah, why did you do that? I know you for so many years. I said, there is one level above awareness that I can teach you to people. It's called the master of awareness. Is when you're capable to get yourself so low to allow the other person to go so high. You have to go so low that people use your shoulders to go to the next level. 
It's a very important thing to do, but again, if you do it in the wrong time, it can hurt you and hurt others. Don't do that if you're not ready. That's the fourth level. What I would like to ask you tonight, just think about those three levels. And ask yourself, where in your life you're more responsible? Where in your life you're more oblivious? And more in your, where in your life you're more aware of things? If you're aware, you're going to start feeling pain of human being. I don't need to tell you how much pain there is out there. Between the virus, to the finance, to the aggressiveness of breaking into stores and killing businesses of innocent people, just in the name of justice, just in the name of what's wrong with the government or what's wrong with the police, just in the name of injustice that unfortunately somebody died. We, we can't as people, as human beings, to be oblivious about pain of other people. Yes, you can speak against the government. It's, it's, it's important to do so. You can speak against the president, you can speak against the police, but you cannot break into stores and steal. That's called stealing. That has nothing to do with anything. Second thing, I don't know if you know how fire work. Let me teach you to those oblivious people. And I hope you're sharing right now my video with thousands of people. That's what I want you to do. We just click and share. Fire. When you throw fire into a place with fabric, it will burn. If you didn't take your biology class in class, in school, so let, let me tell you. Fire spread. Business get lost. Fire department has to come. Police has to come. Ambulance has to come. That costs money. It's coming from your money. And then economy gets worse. You need to understand, you cannot be oblivious. At least be responsible. I'm not asking people to be aware. So when the oblivious people, meaning the responsible people, who is right? Nobody is right. Nobody is right. Nobody is wrong. It's a problem. We are experiencing right now a problem. Because people are refusing to go next level. Refuse. One of the first students I met in New York was 28 years ago. He just ordered my book. <laughs> we are in touch. We... we he found me and so we start talking again after so many years. And he's reading my book, The Laughing Billionaire. And he's in the third chapter now. Maybe he's hearing the lecture now. And Tommy said, Eliyahu, you know, this is heavy stuff in this book. I said, what do you mean? He said, I just hope people are reading this book because it really can change our country. So I hope so too. And the idea is change start from you. It cannot be expecting your children to become better. You can talk about it. But you need to understand, if you are overly responsible and you tell your kids that they're overly oblivious and you push them to become better, they're going to be angry. You have to expect it. The anger will come as a result of you are telling them what to do. But the message for the responsible person is, that it happened to you for a reason too. Why is that happened to you? It happened to you because you have to go next level. The next level is awareness. When you start feeling things. I just wanted to share this with you. The Levi were in charge of the tabernacle and specifically the holy part of the tabernacle. When you understand where is your tabernacle? Where is your exactly most important place where you put the energy, <clears throat> then you elevate yourself to awareness. You elevate yourself from responsibility to caring, from caring to awareness. When you are there, are you aware of you or are you aware of your surrounding? Unfortunately, many times we're aware of ourselves. And that's not spirituality. That's kind of nice what people call out their spirituality, but it's not. Spirituality is only when you're capable to start feeling others. If spirituality for you mean that I'm feeling my soul, I'm feeling my humbleness, 
it, it's a good start. But if it's end up there, this is not the way to go. This is not the way to go. For that reason, naso means to carry. You got to carry something on you. How many people you carry on your shoulders right now? Not from a money point of view. How many people's pain? Did you write a list lately? Of all the people you know in your life and who has pain more than you, the same as you, less than you. Pain of not having money. Pain of not having love. Pain of not having health. Make a list tonight. Make that list that you're going to start writing down the names of the people and next to them what type of pain they have. Carry them. So you can go to the next level of awareness. And all what you got to do is just sit. If you are living in Los Angeles, it's around 8 o'clock. Like a candle for Rabbi Shimon. So Rabbi Shimon, I'm here to ask for help to remove the pain from all the friends that I wrote on this piece of paper. It's wonderful. It helps. You know, that's called awareness. And I hope, as I say at the beginning of tonight, I hope and desire and wish that nobody will leave this session, this lecture, the same as they come in. So many people are asking in their mind right now, I know what you're asking, how do we begin? The Torah, the five books of Moses, the Zohar, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Tikkunah Zohar, didn't leave us with no answer for this question. In this section, they talk about what they call in English, the Nazarite. But when I say Nazarite, I'm worried that people might translate it into a religion, into more Christian religion. And that's not my purpose. So let me call the Nazarite with a different name. We're going to call it the monk. The Torah mentioned that there is people that take on on themselves a time when they're not going to drink wine, not going to even eat grapes, or they stay away, they make a vow that they're never going to drink wine, or they're one year going to drink wine, or they're not going to make love, or they're not going to waste sperm if they are men. They take a certain vows not to do a certain thing. You don't take a vow of what you do, you take a vow of what you preventing. Or maybe I should use the word refrain. Refrain yourself from doing. Something that you are stop doing, not something that you are you are doing. So those of you who don't know how to change, from oblivious to responsible to awareness or to the master awareness, what I call plus, you start with you. How do you do it? It's written in the Torah that the monk, you know, has to stop his his or her woman or a man evil inclination. What is that evil inclination? We built from two forces. Wonderful two forces. Yes, we need them both. The positive and the negative. In and young if you want. Both are important. Minus and plus. You don't have one, you get destroyed. You cannot have just negative, but also you cannot have just positive. You need both. Why do you need the negative? The negative creates the power, the energy in your system. The positive creates the flow of the energy. The balance between the two creates power. You need to have negative in your life, and once you overcome it, with the positive you have, you connect to your spirituality. If you don't have any negative thing in your life, you have nothing to overcome, you cannot create spirituality in your life. So the monk is taking on themselves something that they need to stop doing. The problem is nobody can do it for you. Overcoming fear, overcoming anger, overcoming depression, Stop being a victim. The problem with those things, and the great thing about those things, nobody can do it for you. You have to do it for you. You have to stop your jealousy. You can't lower your eyes. Take off your glasses. 
Don't see if you're not controlling your jealousy. Whatever it is, you have to be like a monk. Hear the Torah say for one year. And through that, the change happened. Through that, I'm getting into a place where I become more responsible, more aware, or maybe master awareness. I cannot stay in the lowest level of oblivious. I cannot stay there. Because being there, I'm not really acting as a human being. And because we came to this universe as a human being, we have to, we have to work on ourselves to overcome all these negative things that we cannot overcome, otherwise we don't create light. So now I gave you what, where we need to be, how we need to do that, acting like a monk. So here the Torah is showing us that we have everything written already 3,400 years ago. The question, are we going to follow? Are you going to make that list tonight? Are you going to light that candle tonight? Are you going to follow what the Torah say about the monk? Are you going to decide that one thing you're going to stop doing? Some people have, need some anger management. That's what psychologists will suggest. But is that really going to solve the anger? Or it will suppress? When I work in a, in a rehab center in Florida, many of them, you know, one of the wonderful, wonderful time in Florida because I get to volunteers and save people, help people. And every time that I sit with them, sometimes it was 35 people in circles, sometimes it was 50, sometimes it was 200 people. Sometimes it was in the street for poor people who cannot afford rehab. All that they can do is we build for them like home and they come out to the street to the lecture. We put fire in the middle and I use this speaker. That was my lecture every week in Delray Beach. So, why am I happy about this time? Because God was very good to me. God always have been very good to me. Super generous with me. You know, and sometimes I look at God and I said, God, you know, I'm not sure. You know, something is up there, you know. I'm not doing as much as you do. So, I hope I'm not going to pay the price. But I'm nervous sometimes. I get scared. And there's more and more blessing coming. And I'm sure... You are listening to my lecture and you are spiritual. You understand that what we're getting from the Creator is way more than we can imagine. Way more. Way more. My neighbor, you know, unfortunately, you know, my neighborhood is not so much into Kabbalah or lecture or Tikkun They don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> so my neighbor, my next door neighbor, one of the nicest people on earth, so I decide to give him the book that they've been printed and we give it for free. It's a book for protection. So he said, I will have it, thank you. I'm sure he doesn't hear my lecture, so I'm allowed to tell the story. His father, when he was young, was murdered. It was a robbery. So after, after uh, when was it, Saturday night, he get alarmed from his store. There's a lot of alarms, so he went and checked it. He went to check it. As he arrived, it was too late. He arrived about 20 minutes later, after all the robbers left. They empty everything. Uh, it was very expensive things. And when he came down to the car, he saw that they broke the car. As he parked the car, he went upstairs. It's an office building. And he came back, and he looked at me, and say, I'm safe. He saw the good in it, which is most people will see what they lost, what is. But when I gave him the Tikkun Zohar for free, I didn't make a relationship that he needed. You know, I gave it in Rabbi Shimon to every neighbor. And the point is, we need to start seeing where in our life we need to act like a monk, in what type of behavior. Because the Zohar said, in this week, whoever try to do good, whoever try, meaning whoever try to do good things, from above they're helping them. But if a person work with greed, 
greed, all the time greed and more greed. I don't have enough money, I don't have enough love, I want my soulmate, my wife is not my soulmate, my husband is not my soulmate, uh, my neighbor kid is better, my kid is terrible. This is called greed. Even spiritual greed is wrong. You cannot have greed all the time. It's called in Hebrew betza, ta'avat betza. You cannot have betza. You cannot have greed all the time. Greed, first you're never going to be satisfied. Never. The Talmud said, En adam met A person is not, is, is, the half an hour before he die, he say to himself, I didn't even fulfill half of my desire. That's what the Talmud said. They write next to that, there is a story about Rabbi Udanasi. It's written, Rabbi Udanasi was one of the richest people on earth at that time. Before he died, he looked at all the people surrounding him. Just to let you know how rich he was, he used to have uh, one block of table every Shabbat to feed the poor. So just imagine how rich he was. Every Saturday, one block with all the food and the wine you can imagine. So he was rich. Before he died, he say, I couldn't even enjoy this world with this little finger. And everybody asked, was he greedy? Was he greedy? And they say, no, he wasn't. He was a very spiritual person. They explain about Rabbi Udana that he tried to teach you something. Doesn't matter how big is your greed, you're never going to feel it. But if you're coming from a place of desire, not place of greed, not why is my neighbor has more, why is this looking better than me? You gotta stop the greed. To stop the greed, you have to take one of those tasks from a point of like a monk, like a nazir, to, to become like a nazir, so you can help yourself to refrain yourself from one desire. What is it? Anger? And I'm not talking about food. Don't go just right away to food. That's not the goal. Look into spiritual thing. Anger, jealousy, impatience, laziness, generosity, generosity. On this, uh, I think, when was it? I think Sunday or Monday. What day is today? I don't even know. Yesterday. Yesterday. We have, uh, we're not allowed to say the name according to the Talmud. So I will not say. I can say it was a couple. Couple who came to see Debbie and me. They stop here at the door. They gave us a picture that I don't even know how they found this picture. God bless them. And they gave us a donuts from a vegan uh, shop. I was touched. They don't have to do it. Debbie's birthday is already passed. They decide to come and do it. This is generosity. This is full of appreciation if you hear me. This is full of appreciation. You are an angel to us. Now it might be not a big deal, the picture and the donuts. What's the big deal about it? It's not that. It's the generosity. It's to be there. The opposite of generosity is better. Is greed. Unfortunately, a lot of religious leaders, a lot of spiritual leaders have greed. Greed for honor. Greed for money. Greed and greed and greed and greed. And more greed. We cannot put greed as the goal. People tell me, what are you going to do if you're going to have one billion? What am I going to do? <laughs> Nothing. What am I going to do? Share. Build something for the poor. Do something. What are you going to do with one billion dollars? It's way too much money. I don't even understand that number. What are we going to do? What are you going to do with that? Greed. Not enough people respect me on Instagram. Ooh, greed. Enough with that greed. That's a killer. We don't have enough. We don't reach enough. We don't look good enough. Everything is never enough. That's the greed. And the greed is unfortunately what kills our universe. The greed exists everywhere. And it's not just for money. It's not just for money. It's for pride. For pride. For controlling brain of people. If you are a religious leader, a spiritual leader, be careful. Be careful. You might, using your title to basically take people out there and control their mind, you want them to be belong to you. Be careful. I'm so scared of that myself when I teach. So scared of it. And every time I teach, every time I meet somebody who likes my lecture, I always tell them, do you want to teach? And my wife tells me, why you offer everybody to teach? So I'm worried 
Maybe they believe in me too much and this my greed. I want them to know that I'm going to give everybody a fair chance to send me a lecture, ability to teach, and I see if I can put it for you on vital. Even my team not always like it when I do it. But I want to make sure that I'm acting spiritual, that I'm not falling into greed. It's dangerous. Not, not for you guys, for me. Dangerous for the world. The world right now is greedy. Everybody wants more. So what happened? The people who want more become more responsible. The people who don't know how to do more become oblivious. What happened when the oblivious run out of food and money and everything? They get angry. When they get angry, they go after the responsible people. Are you watching it right now with me? Are you watching it on TV with me? They, they, they can't take it anymore. Because every person develops different muscles. Nobody allowed to attack nobody. I'm totally against it. Being aggressive, raising your hand. What, what happened? We went back to medieval time. What happened to us? What happened to us people? We're going back in time? Just go forward. Evolve. Yes, you're right. It was injustice. But I'm not going to take my sword and kill you for the injustice. These, those things have to stop. And it's nothing to do with the religion or your color of your skin. Nothing to do with anything. I was sitting with my son Yehuda and I asked him, can you find out for me how long the Holocaust took a place? So why are you asking me? I said, I want to understand this Holocaust thing. How long? I want to experience in my brain to be aware. We are at home, let's say 11 weeks now. These things in breaking windows start five days ago. A lot of problem. What do you think happened in the Holocaust? It took years, years for that to be over. What I'm trying to say, every person develops a different muscle. One person develops muscles of being athletic. Some other people develop muscles of the mind. Some people develop muscles of how to make money. Every person has a muscle. We cannot have jealousy for one another. If one has money, they can teach us how to have money. If they don't want to teach us, that means they're greedy. We don't want their money, we want their lessons. We cannot be in charge of college and keep people in college for four years and then after college they have to go ahead and study profession, another three years. That takes seven years of their life and they go bankrupt. They have no money. That's greed. So there is a lot of greed in the system, of course, but you don't change it by putting a sword somebody's neck or by firing the store. You can't do that. For that reason, the monk is the behavior of change. It's going to go internal, not external. I think that was clear. The next thing is, what is that we need to remove when we want to start the change? And I will tell you, it's one word, and it's one difficult word. And I work on it, and I'm still working on it. It's called fear. I say it in thousand lectures. That the fear is the mother of all evil. And I say it again. The fear is the mother of all evil. Insecurity, which is the stepdaughter of the fear. All fear. So when I'm talking about fear, one of my favorite writers of all time, his name is Napoleon Hill. I don't know how many of you are familiar with him. He wrote two books, very humble. You should go online and always read his books. And he's talking about six major fear. Fear of poverty, being poor, that installed without DNA, because many people die from not having food in the past. So now DNA, there is a memory of that fear. Fear of being criticized is because people have been burned in fire because they had different opinion than the church or the government or whatever it was. Fear of health, heal, being sick, disease. I don't need to tell you how many plagues was in our universe. Fear of losing somebody you love. Tough experience. Parents, 
children, husband, wife. Fear of old age, whenever you are alone, whatever you're staying alone, tough. And the sixth fear is called fear of death itself. Everybody know it's going to happen, but nobody know how it's going to happen and when. So it's kind of a fear of the unknown. The reason I'm sharing that with you, the fear, according to psychology, as I study with the psychiatrist who work with me in the rehab place, the fear is the mother of anger. If somebody's suffering from anger, like now, they have a fear. If they have fear, they have depression. Depression gives birth to fear. Fear gives birth to anger. Right now, everybody's angry. Everybody's upset. Whatever you don't have money, you don't have a job, you don't have your hair salon, I don't know what, the, the nail polish. Everybody has the, what they don't have. The greed come out. We killed the monk inside of us because we're no longer nice. And then the fear come out, anger come out. We got to work on our fear as a layer of not allowing us to be who we are. Do you mind to turn it on? Because once we remove that essence of the fear that is in our life, we will start to experience the need for what is that we need to do. But if I'm always afraid, and I don't know about you, I have my own fear, I'm sure you have yours. I remember that being a student of spirituality is very different than to be a leader. When I found out I need to lead people in spirituality, I went to the grave of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I stood in front of Abraham and I said, Abraham, you were chosen by God to be a leader. It's much easier not to have fear when God is telling you this is what you're going to do. I'm nervous. I'm afraid to do a mistake. I'm afraid where things are going to go. Help me. From there I went to Isaac. From Isaac I went to Jacob. Then I went through Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah. From there I traveled to Rachel. And I begged them all. Is if I need to be chosen to be a spiritual leader and guide people, please help me. And I found myself in this mission and this job for many years. But I was afraid. And I always say, I'm not as brave as King David. I'm not as brave as you are. And I remember I met somebody who was old next to Abraham. And coincidentally, or not coincidentally, he said, somebody who has fear, and aware of his fear, but does what he has to do anyway, it is fear, but it looks as bravery. And I'm not here to please you with beautiful words about me, and I'm sorry if it sounds like this. I'm here to share with you or teach you. If you're suffering from fear, don't be ashamed of it. Embrace your fear. Understand it's there to tell you that in this area exactly, there is light. That's why there is fear in that area. So I would like to take you on a short meditation right now. To work on your fear with your permission, okay? So before we getting into it, I want you, if you are alone, that will be wonderful, to write down maybe three fears that you might have. I'm going to do it with you. Everybody should do it, so we can be in one soul. Now please, circle one of the fear, the major one, please. And I want you to, please, sit and relax. And next to your belly buttons, okay, next to your belly buttons, this is the energy that is very, very important. If there is a way that you can put your left hand below your belly buttons... And on top of it, you put the right hand, if you can, please. 
And please focus on the breathing. Inhale and exhale slowly. Breathe through your nose and exhale through your mouth if you can. I want you please to see yourself standing in front of a beautiful door. I want you to open that door. There is a stairs that will go down, will take you to a secret garden. So I want you to go down with me. We're on a 10 step, going to the 9, 8. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. You can smell the garden now, and one. Please walk through the garden. Beautiful green. Just experience the smell first. the freshness of the trees, of the bushes, of the flower. If you listen carefully, you can hear the birds. You can also feel the wet on the ground from the rain that just fall from the sky. I want you to see yourself holding that piece of paper where you hold the fear on. And I want to see yourself as you walk through this beautiful garden. As the water falling from the leaves, the flowers and the trees are touching that piece of paper and slowly, slowly erasing this one fear that you have. As you see the name being erased, gone to the ground, the paper is evaporate, disappear from the ink that fell into the ground. You can tell that the beautiful new flowers is growing from the ground. That flower, that bush is exactly the antidote 
for that fear. Remember that flower. Remember. Look at this flower. Look how beautiful it is. You just created something so beautiful because you let go of your fear. you to come back to the entrance you can always go back to this garden climb the stairs from one two three four five six seven eight nine and ten open the door back to yourself inhale and exhale and then open your eyes we got to think about this session tonight we got to think about it there's about at least four or five points here that can really be helpful for all of us uh, I want to thank you for being with me and supporting us with what we're doing for the world. You are an incredible supporter. You are unbelievable. I want to appreciate Debbie for being behind the camera because without her, none of this will happen. Helping Des and my team, and helping everybody, may God help all the people supporting us to keep you safe, peacefully, happy, and may all those fear will go away.